welcome to today's episode of The Music Makers, the podcast for elementary music teachers. I am your host, Marissa DeVoe. Before we get started, just want to reflect on this past week. It was my first week with students, and it was interesting to say the least. Um, My biggest challenges I faced was honestly wearing a mask all day, every day, and talking was really difficult for me. You could probably hear it in my voice. I'm a little bit hoarse because I feel like my mask really dries out my voice. And I'm on a cart this year, so I'm moving around a lot more. And I just don't have a lot of time to take breaks for water and to take my mask off. So that's been a really big struggle for me, and I feel like it's impacting my voice. So I need to remember to keep hydrated and to give myself those breaks and to make time for those if I can. Um, It was so good to see the kids back in school. I mean, obviously it's different and it's strange and it's weird and they feel uncomfortable and you feel uncomfortable, but it was so great. Since March, I haven't physically been in the classroom with the students teaching music and it was a really good feeling. And, you know, it kind of reignited something in me that um, maybe was lacking for the last couple months. You know, I was really excited and we had a good week and... We're just going to keep moving forward and keep making accommodations. For my students, I made them each their own instrument bags because, one, I didn't want to have to worry about cleaning the instruments every day, and two, I didn't want to ruin my instruments by cleaning them every day. So I made instrument bags for each of my students. For my little kids, my kindergarten first graders, they had a shaker, a scarf, a pair of rhythm sticks, and a Beat Buddies laminated piece of paper so it had four hearts on it to help them keep the beat. And it doubles as a dry erase board since I laminated it. My second graders had all of those things and except for the Beat Buddies they had a staff. And then my third and fourth graders they had shakers, they had rhythm sticks, they had a mallet, and they had a staff whiteboard as well. And then they each got a different kind of instrument. So some got jingle bells, some got cowbells, some got guiros, some got castanets. So I did that because I use a lot of sound stories, and that way we have a variety of instruments to use from at any given time. So to all of you teachers out there who have just completed your first week or second week, or maybe you're just starting your week, good luck. I think you'll hopefully feel a sense of relief when you see all your students like I did. And you just got to keep doing the best you can. And don't forget to make time for yourself. Clearly, I've been neglecting that. And I haven't been hydrating as much as I need to. Or I know a lot of teachers were complaining about they were getting breakouts underneath their mask. So I'm going to start bringing wipes to school and quickly, you know, wipe off my face every couple of classes or so. And remember to moisturize your face and wash your hands and just keep moving forward. We can do this. So let's get started. And for today's episode, we're going to talk about songs and activities for teaching dynamics to our students. And I think the best way to start our discussion today is to think about the different levels of dynamics we teach our students. Personally, for me, in kindergarten and first grade, I focus mostly on opposites. So for dynamics, that means loud and quiet. Then as students get older, I introduce the musical terms of forte and piano. 
Next, we begin learning about other dynamics in between forte and piano and their musical terms. And finally, we know all the musical terms for varying dynamics, and we focus on crescendo and decrescendo. The oldest grade level I teach is fourth grade, and personally for me, by the end of fourth grade, they should be able to explain, identify, label, and perform all dynamics fortissimo to pianissimo, and everything that's in between, in addition to crescendo and decrescendo. I will discuss subito piano, subito forte, and sforzando if it occurs in a piece of music we are working on. And as always, I like to start our discussion with a question. Why is it important to teach elementary students dynamics? Besides the fact that it is outlined in our standards, it all comes down to expression. In the National Standards for Music Education from 2014, any standard that mentions dynamics is always accompanied with understanding, describing, explaining, or supporting expressive intent. Dynamics, along with timbre, tempo, and articulation, are considered expressive elements, whereas pitch, rhythm, and texture are considered structured elements. Now, both expressive and structured elements can go hand in hand, as the expressive elements, such as dynamics, enhance the structured elements through expression. I personally always think with the end goal in mind, and if I do not start teaching these expressive elements at a young age, my students will get to chorus, band, or orchestra when they're fourth, fifth grade, and lack the knowledge and ability to play anything with expressive intent. I think one music educator and blogger hit the nail on the head. Elizabeth Caldwell, founder of her own personal blog, Organize Chaos, wrote an entry titled, Best Strategies for Teaching Dynamics. Elizabeth stated, and I quote, It's not enough for students to be able to sing loudly and quietly, or to know that forte means loud. Students need to understand the importance of dynamic contrast in music and be able to use it effectively as a creator and performer. End quote. Caldwell's quote serves as a great reminder that not only is it important to teach our students the different dynamics and what they're called, but to always relate it back to its purpose within the music. That is why today, when I share out some repertoire and activities, I'm going to tie in some ideas as to how this information can relate back to the expressive intent of performing, responding, and creating. We're just going to take a short break, and when we come back, I will share some of my ideas with you. When you need a musical instrument for your child to play in the school band or orchestra, you have a lot of questions. Can I get the brand of instrument that the teacher recommends? Is the instrument maintained in proper playing condition? If the instrument needs repairs, or a free loaner instrument available? With Twin Village Music, you'll get a resounding yes to all these and many more questions. The fact is, Twin Village Music rents more instruments to school children than any other music store in western New York. Twin Village Music is an authorized dealer for Armstrong, Bach, Selmer, Yamaha, and many other name brand instruments of superior quality that are rigorously maintained by their own in-store repair shop. Quite simply put, they have better looking and better playing instruments that encourage student success. See and hear the difference for yourself. 
Visit Twin Village Music at 44 Central Avenue in Lancaster. Call 683-4879. Twin Village Music, serving Western New York for almost 60 years with superior quality, value, and service. Welcome back. For today's repertoire and activity sharing, I'm going to start with kindergarten and work my way up to fourth grade. I will provide one song and activity for each grade level, but take note that most of them can be adapted for older and younger students. And as always, all of this information can be found on our website, themusicmakerspodcast.com. That's themusicmakerspodcast.com. For kindergarten, you are really establishing the basis of dynamics. The goal is to have students be able to identify and perform the difference between loud and quiet, or I know some educators prefer the term soft instead of quiet. The national standard for kindergarten under the performing heading is, with guidance, demonstrate awareness of expressive qualities, such as voice quality, dynamics, and tempo, that support the creator's expressive intent. Now, I know the folk song Grizzly Bear, uh, original source unknown, is not a new discovery for most elementary music teachers. But have you ever thought about how this song can support the creator's expressive intent and how you would convey that to kindergartners? We're going to answer those questions in a little bit, but let's sing this song first. Grizzly Bear, oh Grizzly Bear is sleeping in a cave. Grizzly bear, oh grizzly bear, is sleeping in a cave. Please be very quiet, very, very quiet. If you wake him, if you shake him, he gets very mad. Roar! As you can tell from my singing, the first two lines are sung at about a medium forte level. The, please be very quiet, very, very quiet, is obviously sung at a piano level. And on the last line, you crescendo to a forte, like, If you wake him, if you shake him, he gets very mad. This song has a game to go along with it. Students stand in a circle, and one or two students are chosen to be the grizzly bear, and they sit in the middle of the circle. The student or students who are the grizzly bear pretend they are sleeping. The other students walk around the circle to the beat, and on the please be very quiet section, I have students tiptoe. And on the last part, if you wake him, if you shake him, I have students stomp. Lastly, the student in the middle, or the grizzly bear, should jump up immediately following the word mad, and they're the ones who get to growl. It is a really great activity as it encourages students to sing at a piano and forte level, and students really love to play this game. Now let's think about the expressive intent with this song and how we can convey that to kindergartners. After teaching the song, or while you are teaching it to the students, you should be having conversations about the different dynamics you are singing. I usually sing it for my students a couple of times and then ask them what they noticed. After your students have established that you are singing quiet and then you sing loudly, Have you ever asked them why they think you sing quietly in one part and why they think you sing loudly in another part? This is a tricky question for kindergartners, but it is necessary to understanding the expressive intent. 
Another angle you could use is to teach the game while singing the song with no words. Then ask your students what they noticed about your movements. Do they notice you tiptoeing and having a light movement in one section and then stomping heavily in another? Ask them, why do they think you are tiptoeing and stomping? See if your students can come up with some scenario in their head to match your actions. Oftentimes, and I'm a victim of this too, us music educators teach the song and then the game. There are many benefits to this, but it takes out some of the critical thinking and possible creativity that you can have if you teach the game or movements without the words or the story to the song. You know, I'd love to try this out with my students and see what they come up with. It might not end up being a grizzly bear. It might be some different kind of animal or a totally different scenario. So I encourage all of you out there that already use grizzly bear to take it to the next level. Really focus on the expressive intent of the song and try and convey that to your students. Ask those questions. Get them critically thinking. By the time students are in first grade, they should be able to identify, play, and sing the difference between loud and quiet. One of the next steps I take is to work on everything in between loud and quiet or forte and piano. I always pose the question to my first graders, do people always talk really loudly? They respond no. And then I say, do people always talk really quietly? And again, they respond no. Questions like these are so important to get your students invested, engaged, and thinking on a deeper level about your lesson, goal, or objective. With just these two simple questions, it gets students thinking about more than just opposites. There's a range we're dealing with in music. A great way for students to understand the range of dynamics is to do a game of hot or cold. If you don't know how this game normally works, allow me to explain. Someone hides something and another person's job is to find it. The person who hid the item gives hints to the seeker by telling them that they are either getting hotter, meaning getting closer to the item, or getting colder, meaning getting farther away from the item. When the person is really close, you can say things such as, you're super hot and you're on fire. And on the other end, you could say, you are really cold or you're freezing if you're far away. In music, I call this game Forte in Piano. For this game, you can really use any song that isn't too complex as far as words and is fairly long. I'd say you want at least 16 measures. I do this song in the springtime and tie it in with an Easter theme. So I use the song Little Peter Rabbit. I found this song in the book Kid Songs Around the World, a Mama Lisa book, and it is credited with England as its origin. There are a few variations of the lyrics, but this is how the version I use goes. Little Peter Rabbit had a fly upon his ear. Little Peter Rabbit had a fly upon his ear. Little Peter Rabbit had a fly upon his ear, and he flicked it till it flew away. The game works like this. I have one student who will be the person looking for the item. Go into the hallway. The other students help me hide an item. Since I do it around Easter time, I use either a stuffed bunny or rabbit or an Easter egg. 
When we tell the student in the hallway they can come in, they must start looking for the hidden item. Instead of the other students yelling, you're getting warmer, when the student is close and colder when they are far away, they sing Little Peter Rabbit. As the student gets closer, they sing louder. And as the student gets farther away, they sing quieter. I usually tell the child looking for the hidden item that we will sing the song twice and then their time is up. This game not only requires students to be fully engaged because they have to know where the hidden item is in order to direct the seeker, but it also encourages singing. Another great aspect of this game is that it can lead to some really good questioning and discussions. For example, if the students decide to hide the item close to the door, I always ask them something along the lines of, knowing where we hid the item, how should we sing when Johnny comes into the room? A common occurrence when we do this activity at the beginning is that students jump from piano to forte, even if the seeker is still far away from the item. This allows us to stop, discuss what they did, and have them be even more precise with their singing. I know this activity is for first graders and having them regulate their voice so intensely is a lot to ask, but they can do it. I've seen them and heard them do it many times. This activity is so wonderful because students love it because it's a game. They each get a turn to find something and it has encouraged my students who maybe are a little bit more timid or shy to sing. They sing, and they'll sing that forte nice and loud because, you know, you, you can make a rule. If you don't sing, you don't get to find the item, right? And it's a game that they already know. So most students already know how to play hot and cold. This is just a different spin on it. Remember that I'm sharing what age level I do these activities with, but there is no reason that you can't adapt this to older and younger students. This game is a great way for students to really channel into the range of dynamics levels we use when singing in a chorus or playing in a band or orchestra. Now let's move on to second grade. One of my favorite activities with second graders and dynamics is to tie in a little composition. This activity allows for flexibility with the repertoire choice. You can choose any song that I would say is between 12 to 20 measures. Personally, I use My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean, which is a Scottish folk song that can be found in Kids Songs Around the World, a Mama Lisa book. And it sounds like this. My bonnie lies over the ocean. My bonnie lies over the sea. My bonnie lies over the ocean, so bring back my bonnie to me. Bring back, bring back, oh bring back my bonnie to me, to me. Bring back, bring back, oh bring back my bonnie to me. Now this activity shouldn't be done until students know piano, mezzo piano, mezzo forte, forte, and crescendo and decrescendo. The first thing I do is teach the song to the students. You want to make sure that they can sing it on their own. After, I use a song they all know that is short and sweet, such as Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. 
I either have the words pre-written on a poster or whiteboard, or if you have a projector or a smart board, that works too. I start adding dynamics to the first line of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star using symbols or abbreviations, such as F for Forte. After I'm done with the first line, I sing it for the students using the dynamics I added. Then I get some help from students to fill in some more dynamics for the second line. I have the students sing the first two lines and make sure they are following the dynamic markings. We keep following this pattern until the whole song has dynamic markings. While students are doing this as a group, it is important to discuss expressive intent. Ask students why they think or chose the dynamic levels they did. It's a good idea to start with a lullaby such as Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, like I did, because students automatically think it should be quieter, giving them some help with explaining the expressive intent. Once you have done this activity as a group, you can either split the students up into small groups or partners. Their job is to add in dynamics to My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean. They should practice it and then sing it. Students also must explain why they chose the dynamics they did. The expressive intent part is what most students will struggle with. That is why it is important during the whole class activity to have those discussions. Ask questions such as, what is the most important part of the song? Should the most important part be loud or quiet? Is there any place you think the music should grow from quiet to loud? Posing these questions provides students with the ideas needed to have expressive intent when choosing their dynamics. For all grade levels, I utilize a lot of movement activities, especially when I'm talking about dynamics. This is particularly fun and engaging with my third graders. There are a ton of orchestral works that provide great contrast in dynamics. One way I use movement to inform dynamics is through an activity I called Dynamic Neighborhood. First, you need to choose an orchestral piece that uses a variety of dynamics. I use YouTube a lot to find my audio pieces. Some of my favorites include Stars and Stripes Forever by Sousa, Surprise Symphony by Haydn, and Pictures at an Exhibition, The Hut on Fowl's Legs by Moskorsky. Once you have your song, you are going to start simple. I tell the students our dynamic neighborhood only has two houses right now, the fortes and pianos. This means we're going to be using two opposing ends of our classroom. At the beginning, students stand in the middle, and when the music is loud, they walk towards the forte house, and when it is quiet, they walk toward the piano house. They repeat this for the entirety of whichever song you choose. Now, to make it more complicated, we add more houses to the neighborhood. It is helpful to make signs so students can keep track. There becomes Mezzo Forte House, Mezzo Piano House, and if you wanted to add Fortissimo and Pianissimo into the mix, you can do so. Students do the same activity, but this time they have to think more about the varying levels of dynamics and stand near the matching dynamics. This is a great way for students to orally identify changing dynamics with a kinesthetic approach. Another expansion on this activity is to discuss the expressive intent in the varying dynamic levels. This works particularly well with orchestral works that tell a story, such as 
in The Hall of the Mountain King by Grieg. Have students discuss what they think is happening in the piece and why the composer would make it fortissimo in one section and pianissimo in another. As they're walking through the neighborhood, our dynamic neighborhood, stop the music and discuss. Okay, we just heard this part. You guys are all at the pianissimo house. Why do you think it's pianissimo right now? What do you think's happening in this song? Really create that discussion. Don't be afraid to stop the activity, to pause the music, and have a minute or two discussion about it. It's going to be so helpful for our students in the long run. And last but not least, let's talk about fourth grade. By the time students are in fourth grade, they should know all dynamic levels. What I really start working on with them is getting them to identify orally dynamic levels by their musical term. A great repertoire choice I use to assess students on this is Simple Gifts by Aaron Copeland. In particular, I use the New York Philharmonic version of Appalachian Spring Variation on a Shaker Melody. This version is a theme and variation, so each time the song repeats, and the dynamic, tempo, and instrumentation changes. This makes it a really good activity for oral detection of dynamics. Let's take a short listen. As you can tell, this version offers a lot of elements that can be assessed with our students. Next week I'm going to do an episode on tempo and I'm going to bring this activity back up again because as you can tell the tempo changes every time also. So it's a great way for oral detection assessment of our students. So the first thing I do is I teach my students the song using lyrics and some dancing. The dancing I learned from Bill Lambert, who is a retired elementary music educator from Western New York, and I student taught with him, and this is how I learned it. I'll post a video of the movements on our website, themusicmakerspodcast.com. I love incorporating movements with any song I teach, and particularly with songs that have lots of lyrics. It helps students memorize the words better. After students know the words and movements, I have them listen to Simple Gifts variation on a shaker melody. We talk about what they heard and what they noticed, hopefully drawing some answers related to the changing dynamic levels. Then I have the students listen to the song again, this time doing the movements. The final step in this process is to give a worksheet to my students. 
I should mention that with this song and assessment, I do it as a trifold assessment on dynamics, tempo, and instrumentation. I don't assess students on all three at the same time, but I use the same song and worksheet for many units. The worksheet is a table with different variations numbered in the far left column. Then in each row, students have to circle one dynamic, one tempo, and one instrument they heard in each variation. After the assessment, you can collect papers and review with your students. This document was also created by Bill Lambert. One thing I have found over the years is that the real challenge students face when identifying things such as tempo and dynamics orally in music is that they overlap these terms and concepts that can be confusing for them. For example, students often think because a song is fast, that means it's loud. Same thing with the reverse. If a song is slow, it must be quiet. This variation of Simple Gift negates a lot of misconceptions students have. The final variation of this piece is Largo and Fortissimo. This worksheet and assessment encourages students to think on a more complex scale and test their preconceived assumptions about dynamics with particular relation to tempo. And that's going to conclude our episode today. All repertoire and activities I shared in this episode are available on our website, themusicmakerspodcast.com. That's themusicmakerspodcast.com. There are so many wonderful resources out there and activities for teaching dynamics. My hope is that you have at least one new idea from this episode to try. As a reminder, I gave great specific activities and ideas, but they certainly can be adapted to younger and older students. The most important thing to remember is the reason why we have dynamics, and that's for expressive intent meaning it is not enough for our students to know the difference between loud and quiet. They need to know the purpose of it in music. I think a lot of time, educators often underestimate students' abilities to express. They may struggle with it at first, but always asking them the why is extremely important. And the more you do that, the better they will be at expressing. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Next week, we're going to talk about tempo. And as always, if you have suggestions for upcoming episode topics, ideas, or comments, please email me at themusicmakerspod at gmail.com. Don't forget to hit subscribe. Like us on Facebook at The Music Makers Podcast. And don't forget to keep making music. The cover art for this podcast was done by Nick Naparella, and the audio is from Audio Jungle.